0: Welcome to episode 32 of About IBD. I'm Amber Tresca. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 1989 and had J-Pouch surgery in 1999. My guest this episode is my friend and frequent traveling companion, Brooke Abbott. Brooke is an expert in creating and cultivating community, as evidenced by her creating IBD moms and making a safe space for moms with IBD and parents of children with IBD to share experiences. During the holidays, a lot of people get together with their families. I've always been an advocate for this being a good time to discuss health situations With your family so that you can get a broader picture of the type of diseases and conditions that might run in the family as well as to let everyone know what's going on with you and to learn what's going on with them sometimes we get caught up in our busy lives and we don't necessarily check in as often as we should and that leads us into another topic that brooke and i get into and that is about creating community oftentimes we will say, hey, if you need anything, reach out. But is that realistic? Should we instead be reaching out to people on a regular basis, asking them what kind of support and help that they need, and not expecting them to reach out to us? It's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because in the IBD community, I think We do a fairly good job of reaching out to one another on a regular basis, but I do think it's very possible for people to fall through the cracks. We can't expect people to reach out during the times when they most need help. Brooke and I talk about all of this and more, coming up next. Hey, this is Stephanie from The Stolen Colon. I'm a mom of two young kids, and I'm living with Crohn's disease and a permanent ileostomy. I'm inviting you to be a part of the conversation on Twitter for parents with IBD and parents of kids who have IBD. Use the hashtag IBDmoms to join in and to get all of the info on our upcoming Twitter chats. While you're there, don't forget to follow me at Hughes and check out my blog at StolenColon.com. Brooke, do you does your family have special traditions around Thanksgiving?
1: I mean, we are Creole Americans.
0: I know that was, it was kind of a dumb question. Like I knew there was going to be a good answer.
1: Everything is a party. <laughs> Everything is a party. Everything. Election day is a tradition in our family. Like, <laughs> so of course, when it comes to a holiday that is surrounded uh, by food and family and alcohol, that's, you know, that's what we do best. Um our family is pretty large, and it, there can be up to about uh, sixty to seventy people at my grandmother's house on any given Thanksgiving. We usually cook the core things. Um, we th- that's one thing we don't do. We don't have a traditional Creole Thanksgiving. We usually have a traditional American type of food uh, Thanksgiving with some added uh, things. Like we'll have um, we'll have a uh, uh, cabbage with uh, white cream sauce we'll have greens we'll have um uh oh god what is that squash called and I'm, i it's not me and that um but it's like a squash dish um that a uh, militone that's it we'll have millitone we'll have uh monkey bread we'll have some things that kind of come from our particular uh, culture and and actually that has made it a lot easier on me and my cousin who both suffer from um, inflammatory bowel disease because we're able to have like, you know, plain chicken and turkey and white rice and um, plain bread and things like that, um, as opposed to having like a gumbo and a jambalaya and a bunch of green vegetables that have very long fibrous stems (laughs) all over the place.
0: I feel like traditional Thanksgiving food is almost kind of an IBD-friendly menu, if you would. Turkey, you know, mashed potatoes. At my house, we have to have cranberry sauce, which every year people in the family forget what it is because it wasn't in my in-laws, because it wasn't part of their traditions, but it was part of mine and my family. So that's the one thing that I'm like, we have to have that. My daughter's all about the pumpkin pie now. Usually the couple of days before Thanksgiving, when I lived, you know, with my mother in Michigan, we would spend that time making the pies, making apple, cherry, pumpkin, chocolate pie, you know, stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And probably that's, you know, that's like the best part. Like turkey I could live without. Like, I'm okay. (laughs) The jambalaya sounds good, though.
1: yeah it's it's crazy because our Christmas is what is so interesting. Like I did not know that people had turkey for Christmas. Um, we have gumbo, yeah, and that, and we have chicken and we have lamb, which is also kind of weird, but we do um and we have tamales the night before, and Christmas spaghetti. so it's interesting because um I think that. I always see a lot of posts where people are like freaking out about eating Thanksgiving food. But for me, Thanksgiving was like the easiest time to eat because the food was most bland at Thanksgiving. Although it's, I, I shouldn't say that. Cause my grandmother, she hears this will lose it. It's not bland Gigi. It's just, it's not, um, it's not hard to digest. It's easy foods to digest. You know, it's roasted squash. It's, rice it's um pumpkin pie like even the sweets i can you know i can take down pretty easily the fall holidays for some reason i tend to flare up in the fall like that's and kind of like the tail end of the spring those are my two seasons where things are like what's up lady let's do this so when it comes to thanksgiving and you know having to um help and, and set up tables and, um, cook food. And, you know, when you have little ones getting the little ones ready, um, and sometimes having to get your, get your husband ready. Um, it's just all trying to, it's a lot, you know, it's, I think it's that, I I don't think it's so much of like getting together and enjoying each other or being in a room with a bunch of people. It's the prep and then not really having the time off because I just I feel like, you know, since I gave birth nine years ago, I haven't had time off, and especially around the holidays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's no
1: time off. And and also my son plays baseball. So now he's into this this thing called the, uh, the turkey tournament where they play baseball for like three days straight. And it's really insane.
0: Over Thanksgiving?
1: Yeah, it's it's like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's a full on tournament and they play all day. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the holiday sporting activities.
0: Well, if it's a holiday, it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be resting and rejuvenating. And so, right. and, and a lot of people are, are away, aren't they? So how do you manage, like, how do you have a full team even?
1: Oh, it is packed. Like they run out of signups very quickly. Oh, wow. It's a big thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a really big thing. Luckily he's not doing that this year, but you know, I think, I think it's all this stuff around the holidays that tends to drain me, but I personally, and this is probably just the Creole in me. I love the holiday seasons, even though I, I, I tend to get sick and it's exhausting. I just love the idea of everyone getting together, everyone hanging out, um, you know, all the food and just being able to like lay on my grandma's floor and like play with the kids and the dogs and, you know, seeing cousins that I haven't seen, you know, in a few months or all year and watching my mom and, and my uncle, I mean, my uncle, like teasing my mom for hours and hours on end is quite entertaining. I have to say, um, it's just, I think it's all of that. It kind of, even though I've been sick for a few Thanksgivings, um, it takes me out of being sick for a while.
0: I think that's true. The busyness of it can be distracting. It's challenging because you're, as you said, you're prepping and you're making food and you're trying to make sure that everybody has proper clothing and whatever that you need for, you know, church and grandma's house and wherever else that you're going. And then in some cases, you're going to multiple places, especially, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you you know, if you've got, you know, you're hitting your in-laws and then maybe you're hitting your own family and, and sometimes friends are having things and that can be stressful to get to all of those things. But at the same time, it's stressful. It's taking you out of a space where you're ruminating about things or even thinking about things?
1: In my family, it's been really important for people to not focus on disease. Like we kind of make it a point during those times to not focus on stuff like that. Um, It's more about focusing on community and the community of being with each other and the community of family and friends and uh, making sure that everybody feels warm and welcome. So it's kind of weird, but Thanksgiving is the only time of the year that nobody asks me if I can eat that. Really? Yeah. That's, that's the interesting. only time. Any other time they are like, are you sure you should be eating that? Or is this IBD friendly? Or, you know, whatever. But yeah, no, Thanksgiving, nobody says a thing.
0: And, you know, for years, I've been using the holidays, starting with Thanksgiving and then going into all of the other holidays, it's a time to connect with your family in a way to talk with them actually about IBD or about other conditions. Because sometimes that's the only time that you learn about grandma had this or grandpa had that or great grandma or great grandpa, stuff like that. And that way you can get a fuller picture. I know in my own family, it was, I think it was years before I really had a very good picture as to how IBD affected us. And by the end of it, when I sort of, if I sit down and lay it out like a family tree and mark down who's got what, where, it's really pretty shocking. In Creole tradition, we usually
1: have more than one Christmas. And that's usually our second Christmas day is when we sit down and talk
0: about all of that stuff. So you set aside like a specific time, like this is the time or not... is it like, it's not like formal, but it's something that you just it's end not up formal, doing? formal,
1: but it's just, we, I think because usually on second Christmas, we're pulling out pictures and videos and things like that. And so it just starts to kind of come up and people just start talking. And I think that's why it's not, you know, it's not like we're sitting down and we're like, okay, it's two o'clock. We're going to talk about Brooks IBD right now. It's more <laughs> like, well, that would actually be like, that would actually should did. be good though. <laughs> I would have like a PowerPoint plan and like a whole presentation. Uh, I'm actually gonna bring that up in the group chat. I think that we should we should have a timed panel discussion at
0: Second Christmas. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna run a panel discussion on. Uh, I
1: think we should. Yeah. On yeah. Autoimmune yeah. disease on autoimmune disease. You know, just like sit down and everybody have like their own presentation. Yeah. And just kind of lay it out. But seriously, we do. We sit and we talk and. I think that is the time that we have to really chit chat about things. Cause really Thanksgiving, we do have a lot of friends over Christmas. It's like my grandma and her siblings and their families and we all get together. And that is, you know, we don't really have room for
0: other things that
1: that is our true family time.
0: It's just, just your family then where Thanksgiving is where you have friends and, uh, acquaintances even.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's we've just kind of invited people that need to have that sense of community, food, um, that need a little bit of love and a little bit of family. Um, Traditionally for us, that's always what Thanksgiving has been. And I think for a lot of families of color that have historically had to piece their families together, the holidays, like, like a Thanksgiving, where people are bringing lots of dishes and stuff, that's when you, you kind of create um, warmth and community and family at that time.
0: Does your family have any traditions, especially that they do with the kids, to bring attention to the idea of thankfulness? The other day, my daughter said to me, why do we have Thanksgiving you know, I went into a just very, she's eight. So I said, it's a day that we set aside because we need to be thankful for the things that we had. And given that she is eight, she hasn't seen a lot of the darker side of life. You know, we've tried hard to provide them with a pretty uh, happy childhood. So Mm -hmm. I took that moment to sort of get into that a little bit and try to help her understand that gratefulness is is part of that
1: you know when when talking about the actual holiday of of thanksgiving it's a little different um for i think people of color or people with indigenous um ancestry because of what the actual holiday came from and what it actually was and so when i was growing up I actually grew up Jehovah's Witness. I don't know if you knew that.
0: But I did know that. Okay.
1: <laughs> I, we didn't really celebrate the holiday. We would go to my grandma's house or to my aunt's house, or you know, we would go from house to house until I was about 12. My mom would often make sure that we 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 understood that the holiday, the reason why we were celebrating the holiday, was an honor of having a community, giving thanks, being together. The idea of family and friends and and all of that. What we do now is we go around the table or around the room because it's yeah. there's too many of us to go around the table. We go around the room and everybody talks about what they're thankful for. With the kids, we tend to play like kind of you know like little games like uh, conversation starters. Like the, Jackson goes around and he has to ask questions and ask new questions or, you know, ask a question of something that you didn't know about the person so that it kind of gives him an idea of why um, it's important to be together, to uh, have this designated time to be with family and friends and to communicate and what community actually is. I know a lot of families go and serve the homeless on Thanksgiving. We do not. We go on Christmas. We'll do like a a Christmas thing or before and after Um, because we have so many people coming to the house. And quite often the week of Thanksgiving, we will make donations. Um, We will go down and he packs up new toys that he has not opened yet. And we will take those down to a shelter or to, uh, another like orphanage or some sort of place, but it has to be a toy that he hasn't opened. I don't allow him to give used toys because I want him to understand that just just like he deserves a new toy and he deserves something that's fresh and open, uh, not opened and, and not used. Um, other kids that are less fortunate than him deserve it too. And I really try to use the holidays as a time to emphasize this point, even though we should always be communal and thankful and giving. During the holiday times, we all feel a certain way. I mean, there's just no getting around it. You know, we all feel something, whether you feel warm about the holidays or you feel uh, bad about the holidays for whatever reason, we all feel something. So you do, I do try to emphasize that because we take the time to do something special during this time. We should also make sure that other people feel special during this time.
0: We do a lot of the same things. Sometimes I wonder if it really does translate, if they really do understand that they are so fortunate. And I, I think at this time of year with the, with the IBD, a lot of people flare up. It's challenging to find these thankful things.
1: Just throughout the year, I always remind him that there's something to be thankful for. And I I try to emphasize that more because I live with chronic conditions and oftentimes I'm sick. So I'm constantly trying to reinforce the fact that there is something good that comes out of everything. And one thing that we've he always says that he's thankful for and it's so funny because he really hasn't met most of you guys. But to him, you know, the friends that I advocate with and and that I speak to, you know, all the time, those are, those people are part of his family. He always talks about how grateful he is for his IBD family. And that's something that came out of us having this journey is expanding our family through A common denominator. And that common denominator is inflammatory bowel disease. And sure, having it sucks. But I don't think that there was there would have ever been an opportunity for me to meet and enjoy the people that I have met through advocating for IBD and living with IBD.
0: That's totally true. And do you remember the episode that I did where I asked a bunch of different people as to why they were thankful for their IBD? Yes. And all the responses were so excellent. And there were a few people that I asked to contribute, who declined in the best, nicest possible way. But they were at a place where they felt like they couldn't be authentic. Mm. They had they couldn't come from a place of thankfulness. Mm-hmm. And so every year as we go into this season, I have this sort of a little bit of sort of anxiety about my IBD family. Mm-hmm. You know, the the people that I'm very close to, and then also the extended community, mm-hmm. that there are people that don't have the support you know, that you and I have, even if sometimes we feel we're missing it. Um, We do. We have great support structures. We have each other. Yeah. We have our extended IBD family, but there's people out there that don't have it. And so that's that's a constant worry to me. I think
1: that's anywhere, though. I think that's with any disease, people that don't have disease. I think that there are people that unfortunately do not have community. And that's why it's important that our children understand that they have to build community. Community doesn't just create itself. You know, you have to seek it out. You have to be the community for someone else. You have to be the change. And like you said, it's why we advocate. And it's important that my son understands when I'm gone, he is going to have to continue to find community and build community and be there for other people because. We're not supposed to be on this planet by ourselves. It's just not in our nature to be loners. We we call I call myself a loner cuz I like to be alone occasionally, but nobody likes to be completely alone. No talking to anyone, no seeing anyone, being completely in a silo by yourself is inhumane. And it is important that people understand that. It's important that you see people, it's important that you understand that one person being sick with a chronic condition or not being able to work or being sad or, or not being able to just function is absolutely going to affect you because they are a part of your global community. They're a part of your national community. They're a part of your, your local community. They are part of the structure that makes up the economy, and um, you know other things that we have going on. Everybody affects everybody, and so we have to make sure that everyone is okay. And it can't just be a few people, you know, rallying other folks. It everybody, you have the power to advocate. You have the power to be the community. You have the power to extend grace and gratitude to others, and. You don't have to do huge food drives. You don't have to do, you know, major things. You don't have to do any of that. I don't don't wait for someone to tell me to do something. And I certainly don't do it based on someone's economic, social, or religious standings.
0: And this speaks to what we're trying to do with IBD Moms and create a community because... We wanted to find a community and one wasn't there. Right. So what do you do? We're not going to stand around waiting for someone else to do it. We're just going to do it ourselves. No,
1: you got to do, you know, uh, Shirley Chisholm said, if if you walk up to the table and there's no chair, you, you bring a chair and you sit down, you bring the chair, you know, you can't wait. You have to be the change. And that sounds so, you know, idealistic and hopeful but you have to have hope you have to have hope in order to have the energy to make change and have the energy to get through life and you you know depression will sink in and you'll feel tired And you won't even realize you're depressed you'll, you'll be tired you'll be sleeping all the time that's why I always try and find the silver lining because without hope you're not going to get anywhere.
0: No, you're very good at finding the silver lining. On, you're usually on, the person on, on occasion. that's finding it. On occasion.
1: No. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you get my texts. I'll be quescent.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, there's a place for that too. Our friend Ryan Stevens, his wife, Samantha, will say, okay, you get 24 hours. Yeah. There it is. And once it's done... Let's pick up and move on. And depression is a real thing. So not everybody can and I'm not you, you know, being move forward worried. in that way. And
1: I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to water it down. I think what I'm trying to say is hope is a very powerful thing. I think that we, when people say I'm very hopeful, we get very cynical about yeah. hope. But hope is very powerful. It really is. Faith is very powerful. You don't have to believe in God to have faith. You can have faith in people. You can have faith in dogs. I don't have faith in my dogs, but
0: okay. <laughs> She's oh, my God. But- and, you know, that's one of the things, too, that the hope that because of the work that we do, that we get to go and meet, for instance, uh, IBD specialists and we get to go to the medical meetings. And I was just I still am. I'm continually surprised that when I go to these things and you think that you're going to be. You know, you're in a room with industry people mm-hmm. and physicians, and it, it, you know, doesn't sound like it would be very exciting, but it is. Mm-hmm. And it's so hopeful mm-hmm. every time. Yeah,
1: because you, you see people who believe in, their, in themselves, they believe in their work, they believe in their colleagues, and they're passionate about what they're doing, and um, they believe in their patients. People who give up time from their own families to make sure that people they don't know are having a better quality of life, give me hope.
0: They do. And that's what I try to communicate to uh, the wider IBD community is that you feel alone and that's understandable, Mm -hmm. but there's this entire community of people that is working towards making your life better and you don't see them every day and you don't even necessarily know who they are or what their job is or what they're doing that's making your life better. But they're doing it and it's not glamorous work no. and there's sometimes not a lot in it for them. It's hard. But they're doing it. And so we have to remain hopeful.
1: No, they're out there in every which way. And I hope with IBD moms is that a mom like you, like me, you know, in their darkest hour, which we've all been um They know that at their fingertips, they can reach another person who understands them, who can be a resource, who can be a tool, or just a quick, you know, thing to read that will bring them out and give them just a little bit of hope that will propel them to continue to move on. I think that is the biggest thing. I remember being on the brink of breaking, just getting to that point, and not feeling like I had a a, a rope to reach to you know i was hanging by a, a tether that was about to snap and i didn't have anywhere else that i could grab and i think that, that that took me and my disease to a whole different place i hope you know that um that ibd moms will do great things i don't we don't need to be famous we don't need to be rich we just need to be available to all the moms that that need a a little hope, a little light, a little something.
0: Hey, super listener. Something that I discounted for a long time in my own disease journey was how important it is for people who have IBD to connect with other people who have IBD or for parents of kids with IBD to connect with one another. We tend to think of our physicians and perhaps our immediate family as the most important people in our disease journey. But it's other patients who truly understand on a fundamental level what we're going through and who can help get us down the right path. And this is why I hope our discussion of community inspires you to become more involved in your own community in a fuller way to embrace it. It could be the online IBD community. It could also be the community that you've created for yourself, made up of your friends and your family. And we're also not just talking about disease communities, but we're also talking about what you can do in your local area. Are there volunteer opportunities that you have shied away from in the past? It can be hard to raise your hand and say that you want to do something, but getting involved in community can help you in so many ways. Once you get over that first little hurdle of saying, yes, I want to participate. Don't forget, you can find me everywhere on the interwebs as about IBD, and you can find Brooke as Crazy Creole Mommy, and also both of us together, which is kind of amazing, as IBD Moms. Thanks for listening, and remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD.